Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Why does Jeffrey R. Holland come off as a little bit insincere when he says he is showing his deep respect for Christians who use the cross as a symbol of their faith? Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. We've been looking at a conference message given by Mormon Apostle Jeffrey R. Holland, It was given on October 2nd, 2022. You can find it in the November edition of the Leahona magazine. It was titled, Lifted Up Upon the Cross. And what he does in this message is he, first of all, tries to explain to his audience why Latter-day Saints do not use the cross as a part of its symbolism. Now, this doesn't mean that the LDS Church does not have symbolism, because it most certainly does. And as we mentioned earlier in the wake, You'll find inverted pentagrams all over the Nauvoo Temple. You'll find Masonic symbolism on the Salt Lake Temple. You'll also find that they used, for instance, the statue of Moroni on many of their temples throughout the world. So they do have symbolism, but they have not used generally the symbol of the cross. It's not that it's absolutely missing in anything having to do with Mormonism throughout its history, because we're going to talk about that today. But certainly he's trying to make a distinction. And and this is what's troubling to me, Eric, is when we read the paragraph, this is Holland speaking, as I attempt to explain why we generally do not use the iconography of the cross, I wish to make abundantly clear our deep respect and profound admiration for the faith-filled motives and devoted lives of those who do. The reason why I ask, is that really a sincere statement that he's making there, is because you go down just a few more paragraphs, and it seems like he is trying to be a bit disrespectful. For instance, at the paragraph at the bottom of page 77. By the 4th and 5th centuries, a cross was being introduced as a symbol of generalized Christianity, but ours is not a quote-unquote generalized Christianity. Being neither Catholic nor Protestant, we are, rather, a restored church, the restored New Testament church. Well, if you don't know what he's doing there, he's basically talking about what they would call the complete apostasy of the Christian faith. And this can go back to Joseph Smith's alleged first vision, where he says he was visited by both God the Father and Jesus Christ. And when he asked which of all the churches he should join, he was told not to join any of the churches because they were all wrong. So obviously there's a distinction between where they are and where we are. And I think Mr. Holland is making it very clear here by using this phrase, generalized Christianity. Now, first of all, as we pointed out, his statement here that the cross really wasn't something that was used in the early years of the church is just false. The fact that Christians were being accused of worshiping the cross would show that it obviously had some kind of emotional attachment to Christians in the early centuries. If there was no use of the cross, why would that accusation even come up? There were a lot of misunderstandings that outsiders had towards Christians, the cross being only one of them. Another one comes to mind, and that is the Lord's Supper. When 
they were being accused of being cannibals. What I could say about this distinction that Holland makes is he certainly separates them from us, something that we've been trying to say for a long time. So when you hear Latter-day Saints using expressions like, well, we're Christians just like you, this would be a statement that I would think that goes against that. They're really not Christians like us if you believe what Jeffrey Holland says about generalized Christianity and they being the restored church. If the great apostasy is true, and there is no authority found in any other church but the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, then I guess they do have a reason to thump their chest, that they are the one true church, which is what the religion has taught for almost 200 years. But when it comes to trying to say nice things about Christians, like what he's done here, our deep respect and profound admiration, which two paragraphs later, he takes it away by comparing the generalized Christianity versus the restored church. That speaks volumes. I mean, what he says in the next sentence, thus, our origins and our authority go back before, he has that italicized, before the time of council creeds and iconography. I, I mean, right there, that tells you that we go back before any of this was put in by uh, the Council of Nicaea or whatever you want to point to. I'm, I'm going to say it's very insulting that he does that right after he, he tries to commend the faith-filled motives and devoted lives of those who hold to the cross as being a sacred symbol. Especially when in the next sentence, Eric, of that paragraph that you cited, he says, in this sense, the absence of a symbol that was late coming into common use is yet another evidence that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is a restoration of true Christian beginnings. What a horrible argument. First of all, history doesn't even bear that out. But to use that as an argument seems very, very weak for me. But then he goes on to give this little pithy comment. He says, this speaks of the crosses we bear rather than the ones we wear. Now, what is that a dig at? Of course, that's a dig at those who would wear a cross. Now, I'm not saying you have to wear a cross in order to prove that you're a Christian. Eric, you wear a cross quite often. I don't. It doesn't mean you're any more of a Christian than I am, or I'm any more of a Christian than you are. But when he says this, obviously he's taking a dig. And as we cited earlier in the week, Joseph Fielding Smith, who actually said to many, like the writer, that would be Joseph Fielding Smith, such a custom is repugnant and contrary to the true worship of our Redeemer. Obviously, Joseph Fielding Smith isn't trying to be respectful when he no. makes this comment, no. but I don't think that that statement made by Jeffrey Holland comes off all that respectful either. He goes on to talk about how we take up our crosses and follow him. Mr. Holland, you, you don't think we do that? I mean, Eric, how many times have we heard in sermons in our churches the emphasis of taking up our metaphorical crosses, our burdens, and living out this Christian life despite the hardships that we go through? It's emphasized quite a bit. He's almost given the impression that Latter-day Saints are really the only ones who do this? Please, Mr. Holland, I hope that wasn't your point, but this is how it comes across as I'm reading the transcript of your talk. Bill, I guess the question is, have Latter-day Saints ever accepted the cross as a symbol or something to wear around their neck? 
Of course they have. There was a book that was written by Michael G. Reed called Banishing the Cross, and he had this interesting statement on page three of his book. Indeed, in the 19th and early 20th centuries, many Latter-day Saints individually used and promoted the symbol of the cross in its visual and material form. The current taboo emerged among Mormons at the grassroots level around the turn of the century and became institutionalized mid-century under the direction of David O. McKay, president of the LDS Church from 1951 to 1970. If Mr. Reed is telling us the truth, and I have no reason to believe he's not, This is really a relatively new movement within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, especially when you take into account what Mr. Reed writes on page 79 of his book, Banishing the Cross. Many Mormons also wore crosses as jewelry, a practice that increased in popularity at the turn of the 20th century. Brigham Young's polygamous wife, Harriet Amelia Folsom Young wore a cross brooch in more than one photograph, such as 1895, as did some of Brigham Young's daughters. Well, wouldn't that seem to go against the grain of what we learned from Joseph Fielding Smith? Now, Joseph Fielding Smith came out and said that it was repugnant and contrary to the true worship of our Redeemer. But yet, as Michael Reed says in his book, Banishing the Cross, Not only did one of Brigham Young's polygamous wives, Harriet Amelia Folsom Young, which, as I read the story of her, she was probably Brigham Young's favorite wife. She's also very young, too. But she wore this cross as jewelry, as did, he says, some of Brigham Young's daughters. Now, if that's true, and what Joseph Fielding Smith is telling us is true, Why didn't Brigham Young know that that was contrary to the true worship of our Redeemer? Why did the second president of the church apparently allow his own daughters to wear cross jewelry, but yet Joseph Fielding Smith, the 10th president, says that that is actually to be regarded as repugnant and contrary to the true worship of our Redeemer? Paul wrote in Corinthians that the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. I find it interesting, Bill, this is not a show on the Watchtower Society, the Jehovah's Witnesses, but they also, back in the early 20th century, held to such things as the cross. They wore the cross. In fact, Charles Taze Russell has the cross on his uh, tombstone. Then you had a following leader, Judge Rutherford, who started to take those things out because he wanted to get away from the ideas of Christianity. But when you take away the cross, as they have done over these years, I think you take away a very powerful symbol that is unfortunate that they don't really consider the cross to be something in the nature that we do. We don't worship the cross by no means, but at the same time, we hold it as being a powerful symbol of what Jesus did on that cross so that we might be able to have eternal life. Well, when Jeffrey R. Holland says in his talk, when he says, in this sense, the absence of a symbol that was late coming into common use is yet another evidence that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is a restoration of true Christian beginnings, what do you do with Brigham Young allowing his daughters to wear crosses? It seems to take away the importance of what I think Jeffrey Holland was trying to say here. We don't use that, and that shows that we're true, but Mr. Holland, they did use it. They were using it. 
even as early as Brigham Young. He was the second president of the church. He held that position longer than any other leader that the church has ever had. The next one would be David O. McKay, and he's credited by Michael G. Reed as being the person who put the the dampers on wearing crosses. Before we close out, let me also mention, you recall, Eric, in the early years when we would go to the Mormon Miracle Pageant, they would start off by having three groups of people singing a hymn at the cross, at the cross. Now, the interesting thing is that phrase or the refrain of that song, at the cross, at the cross, that didn't even come about until 1885. That was added to Isaac Watts' hymn that was published, first of all, in 1707. Originally, it didn't have that refrain. That was added later on by Ralph Hudson. The reason I'm bringing this up is because when they sang that, they sang it in a mocking tone. And I remember we had commented to some of the people we had seen out there year after year that we had come to know, ask him, why are you singing that song in such a mocking way? You wonder why some Christians that would be here would take offense by the way that you're saying that. Not only is it not historical, it wouldn't have, that phrase wouldn't have been around in the early years of Mormonism. Eventually, they took that out and they put another song in its place. But here we have Jeffrey Holland trying to give us the impression he's showing deep admiration, but that's not the way it's always been in LDS history. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another Viewpoint on Mormonism. If you have been blessed by Viewpoint on Mormonism, won't you consider making Mormonism Research Ministry part of your missionary giving? Simply go to mrm.org and click the donate box in the upper right-hand corner. Your support, along with the call letters of this station, are greatly appreciated.